Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. The internal world you have control over if you learn how to control it and if you develop the right habits. And that's really, this is the only world that matters because all hell could be breaking loose and you can have an extraordinary time with you and your family and still do extremely well. And eventually the season will change. So if you do well during any season, who cares? The season's going to change again. What follows the dark night of the soul is a beautiful morning. It's always how it works. If you were God, you'd set it up that way, right? You test people and then you give them a chance to enjoy. And then you test them and give them a chance to enjoy. And that's what the seasons. Winter tests us, spring is grows easily. Summer tests us, fall we get rewarded disproportionately. Then we go back to winter again. That's your life. And to think that life is a straight line is absurd. If I leave here to fly to say in Hawaii or Fiji, it's not a straight line. It's constant correction. And if you're a pilot, you don't freak out. You go, oh my God, 80% of the time I'm off course. You just go off course. You correct a zillion times and you land on a dime. That's how we make it in life. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. I was thinking this morning of how much we as a society have gone through in the last two years into our third year and how much that shapes us and changes us and affects us in all the ways. And I was curious, what are some of the ebbs and flows you've seen in your community because of everything that's happened with pandemic and the economy, like what are the trends that you're seeing right now? Well, there's a lot of people that, you know, it's kind of like people that, I don't know if you had a great grandparent or a grandparent that went through the depression, but the emo such a significant emotional event being locked up for such a period of time, having people's businesses shut down, the idea that people are afraid that if they're around somebody, they could breathe something and then die. Just the exaggeration of the situation that we've all come to know now wasn't really accurate. I think that's left the permanent mark on a percentage of the population. There's no question. It's not usually people that come to me because people that come to me are usually hungry. They either are doing extremely well and they're hungry because that's why they do well. They're always looking for that edge or there's somebody going through a really tough challenge, but they're not willing to give up. And so that tends to be who I personally interact with. But I think that then stacking onto it and, you know, inflation you know, I'm old enough to remember, you know, when I was just starting my business, it was 18% interest rates. That's what it cost to buy a house or to get a loan. And, you know, today people are freaking out about 7%, you know, but I went, I lived through stagflation. So a lot of people, they don't know what that means. They don't know that means your assets are going down and your costs are going up. 
and it's a little scary for people, and it's going to get worse. There's no question in the near future. It's not going to last forever. Winter's never forever. It's always followed by a springtime. But when you're in the middle of it, people, when things are going well, people think it's going to go well forever. When things are going bad, they think it's going to go bad forever. So it's going to be longer than we want. But it's like winter is the time in which you can grow the most. It's you either freeze to death or you learn to ski and snowboard and you build a business and have time with your family and you grow. Because if you do well in winter, when spring comes, you pretty much dominate for the rest of your life. This is like the testing season. It's going to be longer than we want it to be. I can promise you that. And it's not transitory as we all the bullshit that was told to us by you know people in government. You know They're all just selling. But we have some real challenges to face. So I think there's no guarantees in life. But what you can do is train yourself to be more unshakable. It's like we all know people who all hell's breaking loose. And it's not like they're fearless. But there's some part of them that stays centered in the middle of the storm and they figure out how to take advantage of it as opposed to reacting to it. Some people, COVID destroyed their life. Some people, it started to destroy their life and then they figured a way to adapt and they made some aspect of their life better than it was before. And I think that's really our job. Our job is to see it as it is, but not worse than it is, right? Because if you make it worse than it is, you do that because you're afraid of failing. You're afraid of being disappointed. That's most people. But then you don't have a you don't have a life like without a vision, people perish. Right. You know, it says in a good book, yeah. a good book. So it's like you got to see it as it is not worse than it is. Then you got to see it better than it is or there's no reason to go for it. And you, know, you got to get a vision beyond where you are. And then you got to make it that way by having the right kinds of strategies. So that's why, you know, when 2020 happened and people were locked up and, you know, I'm used to doing stadium events of 15, 20,000 people. And so I was like, we'll move to Vegas. And they shut down Vegas. Well, we're going to do this in movie theaters. They shut down movie theaters. But then I built this studio. And then I decided, you know, I want to help people. I don't want money to be in the way. I don't want time to be in the way. I don't want travel to be in the way. So for three straight years now, I've done this five-day challenge. This year, we call it Become Unshakable. And it's no charge whatsoever. It's not partial. It's totally free. And I show people what to do for your finances going forward. What are you going to do for your career? What are you going to do to make your relationship better? What are you going to do so you have the energy to make your life great? And we take about two hours each day. I usually go two and a half or three because I want to add value and no charge. And we just go deep for five straight days in a row. And people get a new momentum. And then they walk into 2023, not with dread or not with just hoping. Hope is no strategy. They've got a plan. And so we're going to do that again this year. Last year, we had a million people participate. So I think we'll have a very similar group today. There's people from all over the world. And anybody who wants to go can go to becomeunshakable.com and get yourself registered because it's January 24th through the 28th that we'll be doing this. But I, I want you to know it's designed to make you so that you can deal with what's here because if you don't have a plan, <laughs> it's, it's going to be a scary time for a lot of people. It won't be if you have a great plan. Yeah, I love that you mentioned knowing older relatives or maybe uh, experiencing someone who had lived through the Great Depression. Because I think in a time like this, when it would be really easy to be super overwhelmed, because you're probably burnt out from everything that's been happening the past couple of years, yeah. you know, knowing that my audience, so many of them are parents, I'm thinking about if you experienced a parent who lived through something like the Great Depression. There's no way that that didn't bleed over onto you. There's no way that fear didn't hit you. There's no way that you maybe escaped that scarcity mindset. Like, even if we don't know how or what we're going to do next, just the fact that there are people who are counting on us is such a huge piece of being able to try and, like, figure out a path. You, you're so, Rachel, you're so spot on. It's, you need reasons beyond yourself. Because right. if you just right. try to take care of yourself, there's not that much. I have five kids and five grandkids. You have four kids, right? Four kids, yeah. Yeah, four kids. <laughs> a lot of, so lot of like, kids. You can't, you know, you can't give up, right? You couldn't give up. And it, well, that's really interesting because, you know, if you think about it, every generation experiences winter. It's a long period of time where they can have beautiful days in winter. It can be sunny and gorgeous. But the overall theme is more fear and uncertainty. And so, you know, if you, some people experience that in their zero to 20 stage of life, some people it's the 20 to 40 stage, some the 40 to 60, some 60 to 80. So if you look at the greatest generation in history, it's the generation that was born around 1910. Now that group was not respected. They grew up and they're known as flappers. They were spoiled rotten because they grew up, we won World War I and we were the champions in the world. They saw all this technology, radio, television, cars, and they saw, and everybody was partying, and it was this really high, optimistic time. It's called fall when everybody's reaping. But fall is followed by winter. So right when these kids were turning 20, 
1929, 19 years old, if they're born in 1910, the entire world dropped out. Instead of a car, instead of this great life, everything was devastation. People jumping out of buildings, people standing in bread lines. If they're in the Midwest, it was the Dust Bowl. And they made through 10 years of the Depression only to turn 29 and think, oh, now life's going to be easy. And World War II breaks out. It looks You're like not going to miss the draft. Today, right? <laughs> exactly. And they get drafted. But that what's crazy is that generation that was considered so weak because the environment demanded it got strong and they became the hero generation. And when they came home after the war, we had this great optimistic period from 1945 till about the time Kennedy was killed in 1963. And it was an optimistic time. Then you go through the hot summer. This happens every 80 years where young and old fight about values. That was the 60s and 70s. Then you go through the pragmatic time of people financially reaping. That was the 90s and 2000s. Now we're in winter. We're back in winter. Winter doesn't last forever. It'll be longer than you want. You got to get strong during winter because then you, springtime, the rest of your life will be easy if you do it. If you look at the top 1,000 companies, Fortune 1,000 companies, they could be born in any one of these four financial seasons. But of the top thousand, more than 60% of them were born in a winter, in a recession or a depression. Yeah, it's such a wild statistic. I mean, this is the the magic of hearing someone speak like encouragement and hope and ideas and inspiration as opposed to filling our minds with what's in a feed of the world's ending. We all hate each other. It's all bad. We're all screwed. Is that reminder that there are so many businesses, massive companies who were born not just if you look at 2008 and how many businesses were born in that crisis that are now thriving today. I think for me as an entrepreneur of 20 plus years, that is the thing that like has helped me time and time again is like, okay, well, someone else figured this out. Someone else got through this. So if someone else can get through this, there's an equation or there's a recipe, there's ideas. So what are some of those components and those recipe pieces that if someone is trying to keep their mindset strong, to stay focused, to keep their eyes above the waves, what are some of the things that they can do in a time like this? Well, the first thing is you got to participate in your own rescue. You can't hope the government's going to do it. It's not going to work that way. They can't keep printing more money. That's why we have the inflation we do. And it's going to get a little bit worse before it gets better. But what is inflation? The prices are increasing. It's uncomfortable. It's a little freak out for people. But overall, inflation varies on what you're buying, but it's about 7.5%. Anyone can become 10% more productive. Anyone could become 20 or 50% more productive. When I met Jim Rohn, my original teacher, um, you know, I had four fathers. You know, I feed 100 million people a year. We're about to hit, uh, we just hit 950 million meals. We're going to hit a billion wow. meals two years early, which I'm so thrilled about. But one of the reasons I do that is because I grew up with absolutely nothing. And I had four different fathers and I had a Thanksgiving with no money and food and somebody fed us. So that's what kind of triggered me to be who I am to a great extent. made me believe strangers care. But one of the things that came out of that was I went to Jim Rohn at one point and I said, you know, all my dad, all four of my dads were good people. We had money for food. I mean, it's like we were starved. We had crackers and peanut butter, right? But we didn't have, you know, a Thanksgiving dinner. And I said, why is that? And I said, because they're smart men, they're good men. And he said, Tony, here's what you need to understand. We're all equal as souls, but we're not equal in the marketplace. He said, you have to become more skilled to be more valuable in the marketplace. You have to see what does the market need? He said, think of it this way. If you go to work for McDonald's and you make, in those days it was $4 an hour, now it's 7 or $8 an hour. That is not designed to be your long-term job. It's an entry job and because anybody can do it. Anybody can learn to do a McDonald's job, especially now they use pictures, in an hour. Robots are going to replace those people very soon. It won't be very long. It's already happening in some places, right? Automation. So if that's that simple, that's why you get paid so little. Because I was saying, well, what about a teacher who makes only 40000 a year, and then you see this hedge fund guy make $2 billion. He goes, Tony, the hedge fund guy you're talking about gave people a 40% return when the average person's getting 4%. 10 times value. They, get, they make money for their family or their business 10 times faster. He's worth $2 billion. The teacher might be doing a great thing, but they're not judged on results. They're judged on tenure, and they've got a small number of people. If you want to help a billion people in a simple way, it's easy to become a billionaire. If you want to help 25 people, it's different. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. 
And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. He goes, so think of it this way. Your job is to figure out how to do more for others than anybody else in your category. If you can find a way to add more value, not the value you want to give, the value they want to receive, he said, you'll eventually build a brand and people will seek you out. They will not be you seeking them out and you will be prosperous, but only if you keep growing. Like you can't fall in love with your product or service today. That's the mistake a lot of small business people make. They make the product they love and it has a limited life. Today, people have desires change quickly. Today, you got to fall in love with your client and figure out what do they need, want, desire that they don't even know they need, want, or desire and build that and not just what you're doing currently. And that's what will allow you to succeed through time. So all of my businesses, I'm obsessed with how do we do more for others than anybody else in the industry? So we all need to focus on developing our skills. Warren Buffett was asked the other day, what do you do about inflation? What does the average person do? And he said, you know, when I interviewed him originally for my financial book, I asked him what was his number one investment, best investment he ever made. And I thought he was going to say Coca-Cola or Geico. And he said, it's what you do. And I said, well, I do a lot of things. Which thing? He goes, well, I went to Dale Carnegie and learned how to communicate more effectively. And he said, Tony, without that, all my other skills have been worthless. He goes, and what people need to do right now is invest in themselves because if you become more skilled, if the dollar goes down, you'll get more dollars. If they change the shekels, you'll get more shekels. If you're the best dentist or you're the best lawyer or you're the best podcast, you're the best anything, you will do well no matter what happens with inflation. So he said to me, could someone make two times as much money in the same amount of time? Do people do it? He said, yeah, 10 times as much, 20 times as much. How? They become more valuable. So today, your job going into 2023 is to think through and say, what skills do I need to develop? And it's pretty obvious. Labor is becoming worth less and less and less. Today, you need more cognitive ability, more creativity ability, maybe some technology ability. That's what's prized. That's what's valued. You know, there's a less than 1% unemployment rate for people who make $100,000 or more. And there's a 4 or 5% depending on the real numbers. I mean, the other day they corrected the numbers. They said there were a million new jobs. They found it was 10,000 new jobs. I mean, the government has really been playing games with the numbers here. So, you know, you just have to say, I'm going to take charge 
of my own life. I'm not going to wait and hope somebody turns it around. And this is my opportunity because when things get challenging, most small businesses, even big businesses, pull back. If during the time people pull back, you do more for others, you'll surge and you'll take over a portion of that marketplace. You're not playing to win. You're playing not to lose. And when you back up in that way, when you take your foot off the gas, when you stop caring as much out of fear, that's, right. that's when everything starts to slip through that's your right. fingers. I think going into, or not even I think, I know going into 2020, the way that I was able to guide the business to stay afloat, to do all the things, to continue to thrive and make money was 100% because I had navigated my business through 2008. Yeah. That, I didn't know how, I didn't know what the hell we were going to do, but I was like, wait, I have figured this out before. I have been in a luxury-based client business in 2008 when no one was spending money and I didn't dive in. So damn it, I'm not going to die now and I'm just going to find a way, right? Just going to keep going. But if you're coming into this, like, let's be real. I have a lot of tools. You have all the tools in your toolkit. If someone's listening to this right now and they're like, y'all, I I feel discouraged. I'm feeling weary. I'm feeling emotionally spent. I don't know how to stand up and go again. Yeah. What is some of the advice you would give them? What's going to help them feel better today? Well, first of all, they've got to have to take back control of their mind and their body. Um, When I was in my worst possible place in my life, multiple times I found myself there. But early on, um, I realized the only thing that's going to be is I feed my mind. You know, Jim Rohn used to teach me, he said, you know, stand guard at the door of your mind every day. And I said, what does that mean? And he said, well, you know, if I had a cup of coffee here, your coffee, and I, you know, drop some sugar in your coffee, it's going to happen. I said, I'm going to have sweet coffee. He goes, what if your best friend by accident drops one drop of strychnine? I said, you're dead. He goes, well, life is both sugar and strychnine, so watch your coffee. In other words, every day you have to feed your mind. And so the number one habit I developed when I was 17, I still have today, is 30 minutes a day of reading. Not reading clickbait that comes to you. Not reading social media bullshit. A book. Something that's got philosophy or skill or strategy that's going to make you stronger. And today you can do that with audio, obviously. So I call that net time, no extra time. You can do it while you're driving in your car, while you're working out. That's Pretty much like how I try to help people initially was through audio because video is even more demanding in terms of your attention, but audio you can do while you're doing other things. And so I think that's critical. You also have to every day make your body stronger because when your energy is low, you can know all the tools and you're not going to apply them. If you're the most powerful computer in the world and you plug it in, there's not enough voltage that the screen's going to be screwed up. You're not going to get, you're not going to tap your power. And so during this time of COVID, so many people have been cooped up. And so they don't move anymore. And plus, they don't go to the office, even most people anymore. So now they have no stimulus. And so they're sitting at home, shoulders tend to drop, they're in front of screens, or they're dealing with their kids. And there's, and what's happened is there's no energy. So when you have low energy, you're not going to have a great relationship intimately. When you're low energy, you're not going to be a great parent. You're going to be a good one at best, maybe a poor one. When you're low energy, you're not going to build your business. So the reason in my seminars, you know, people see people, they see people jumping, you know, 20,000 people jumping in a stadium and they think it's some pump up. No, we strategically change people's physiology, the way they're breathing, the way they're moving, the way they're experiencing to put them in a peak biochemistry. You know, Stanford did a study that came to me during COVID because so many people, depression went out of control during COVID because people had no compelling future. And then on throw on top of that inflation and throw on top of that, a lot of young people say they don't even want kids because they believe that the whole world's going to disappear in 12 years because of an ecological disaster, which is total bullshit. But that fear has become a part of people's mindset and they believe it. What if you believe you act on, you behave on. So, so much of that is there. So how do you shift that? Well, you're not going to shift it by telling them good stuff. It'll go in one ear and out the other. So what I did with Stanford, they came in and they had uh, two people went through my date with destiny program, a six day seminar I have. And they both were clinically depressed and they came out with no symptoms of depression. And they said, this is unbelievable. What data do you have? And I said, well, I've got tens of thousands of testimonials. And I, they said, but, you know, is there any scientific data? So I agreed to have them come do a study. Lasted a year. And it was fantastic because they taught me that depression, if you study what's called meta studies, the study of all the studies, they found that only 40% of people who go for therapy and, and drugs Cognitive, you know, SSRIs, Prozac, Zoloft, all these things, only 40% improve at all. 60% don't improve an ounce. 
Of the 40% that improve, on average, they improve 50%. So they're half as depressed as they were. Now, some people get totally well, some people not at all, but most of them are in that middle, middle world. I said, well, that's not much better than a placebo. And they said, well, that's true. I said, what's the best individual study you've ever seen? They said, two years ago, Johns Hopkins University did a study where they took 30 days of giving people psilocybin, magic mushrooms, and therapy for a month. And the results were four times greater than anything you ever saw because 53% of the people a month later had no symptoms of depression, nothing like it ever. But psilocybin's illegal, it's kind of inconvenient, it's not passed any laws to be able to done. So he said, what if we did a study, well, instead of psilocybin or drugs, it's you, and we'll do the same comparison that they use to a, you know, a focus group. And uh, the results were so profound, Rachel, that they literally didn't publish it at first. They sent out the raw data blinded to two different organizations to analyze it, to make sure it was accurate. 100% of the people 30 days later who went through Date With Destiny had no depression. 19% of the people had suicidal ideation before they came. No one had suicidal ideation. One year later, they followed up. 72% reduction in negative emotions, 51% increase in positive emotions a year later. Now, why? Because there's a biochemical aspect to this. I didn't just teach people how to perceive their life differently, how to shift their beliefs or values. We put people through a shift in their biochemistry as they're going through the event. And now they do it. They did this study with people. They studied my body to see what happened biochemically for three years. Blew their mind. But one of the things they found is that my audience mirrors me. So they did this when I did a digital seminar. So Unleashed Power Within with 25,000 people from 195 countries in every time zone. And they sent people out and did their blood, measured everything on them throughout the four days. Unbelievable. If you watch it, it looks like, and like graph it, it looks like, like music. People follow my biochemistry almost identically. And there's a place that they've identified with people like Tom Brady or uh, the group that's won the Stanley Cup multiple times, the Tampa Lightning, that there is a state that people who are in the hole get into that allows them to perform at the highest level at the most stressful place. And they call it the championship biochemistry. And I go there in every event, but everyone goes there with me and lives there for days. And what it is, is your yeah. testosterone surges, whether you're a man or woman, doesn't matter, which gives you this incredible drive. And your cortisol, which is the stress hormone, drops through the floor. So you think clearly. That's why Tom Brady can be down by two touchdowns with two minutes and somehow comes back to win, right? He finds that place. Well, these people have that place and they learned in that state. And so it stayed with them. That's why a year later, it's still there. So it, it requires more than just the intellect. It requires more than just the tools. It requires training the body and the emotions to be in the right place. Because if you think about it, we all love our intellect because we don't like going through some of our emotions. But what really changes your life is all emotions. Emotions start wars yeah. and emotions create peace. Emotions is where children come from, you know, that's where they come from. That's And everything in our life comes from emotion, and yet we go cognitive. Really, truly, this is where we live. And when you learn to master your emotions and direct your emotions, it doesn't matter if it's winter, spring, or fall. And that's what I do with people. That's what we're going to do during the challenge. Show them the tools, have experienced some of these tools, even in a few hours, so they can take back control and not be in a place of uncertainty and fear. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas, Register today at thisisils.org. Coming into our conversation today, my boyfriend was like, oh, you're going to interview him again, like so soon. What, you know, what's going on? What are you going to talk about? And I said, oh, he's doing this challenge. And as soon as your team told me about it, I was like, absolutely. Yeah. Because number one, I know for a fact that you're going to tell people that you'll hang out with them for two hours and it'll be like eight. <laughs> well, it'll, it'll probably be two and a half for me. <laughs> <laughs> Your team's like, shut up. You know me, Rachel. No, but I know you're going to over-deliver so hard, number do. one. And number two, plenty of people can walk into any kind of personal development uh, a seminar, a conference, different things. If you walk into an experience with an open heart and an open mind – 
you are going to glean so much wisdom out of that time. And something like this where it's free, I'm like, you literally can sit at home and watch this and get ideas that make you feel good as long as you go into it with, okay, I'm going to try. Because when I went to UPW for the first time, I think I've told you the story. I don't know. Um, I took my team from work and I was like, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what this is. Uh, This guy, this is crazy. Like he's so loud and we're jumping. (laughs) And I felt myself start to close down. Like I felt myself start to like have my mind talk me out of everything that was happening. And I was like, you know what, you guys? Let's just go for it. Let's just be here. Let's be present where our feet are. Let's see what this is all about. Let's jump hard. Let's dance. Let's scream. Let's do whatever they're telling us to do. And when we get in the car to drive back home at the end of this conference, we can talk all the shit we want. We could be like, that was crazy. This Every single one of us, from the most skeptical to the person who was like into it, all five of us had profound life-changing experiences. I am not overstating this. I've written about it. I've talked about it endlessly. I couldn't have known what was going to happen going into that place. And it wasn't, I I want people to get this if if they're not latching onto it. It's not, I think it's really easy to look from the outside at the work that you do and think Tony's going to change me. No, you and your team have created an experience that gives people an opportunity to make life-changing change. You've fiddled with it and mixed it around and figured it out until it is like clockwork, the ability to have 15,000 people take it over the world. You can't know it unless you're in it. And so that's just my like tout. Nobody's paying me to say this. (laughs) I just, for my audience to sign up for something like this that is totally free, that I know for a fact you're going to over deliver and just give people ideas and information I can't recommend anything more. Oh, that's very kind of you. Well, I, I'm thrilled. I mean, I want to I want to help people during these times. This is when people are most scared. And when they, they need it the most, most people often won't invest in themselves because they're so down in that place. So I figured, screw it. You know, let me just go help a million people and, and deliver over-deliver to them like crazy. And then they can grow from there. They want to continue. They can, but they'll have really made a shift. And I really want people to experience that feeling of certainty. There's so much uncertainty in the world right now. Where's the world going? Where's the economy going? What's going to happen with my kids? What's going to happen with my life? What's going to happen with my business? And, you know, uncertainty doesn't go away. When people make more money, then they worry, well, will someone take it? Will they raise my taxes? When people say, oh, I'll get a relationship, then I'll be certain. Then they get in a relationship and go, what if they die? What if they leave me? What if they cheat on me? You know, you know, think, oh, I'll certain when I have children. And then you go like, that's uncertainty for the rest of my life once you have them, right? So developing that certainty inside you, regardless of what's happening in the outside world, becoming more unshakable is really what this is about. And it only happens not by hoping, not by worrying. It happens by taking some simple actions around your body, around your emotions, around your finances, around your family, around your career. And we're going to cover those. Like you say, I'd say two hours. It usually goes two and a half or three. But again, it's not partially free. It's totally free. And it's just designed it. It's my way of giving back to people. And when people's lives change, they usually do more things and they help more people. And it has, it's a virtuous cycle. So I'm really grateful. So anybody who wants to go can go to becomeunshakable.com. It's January 24th through the 28th. It's the two in the afternoon Eastern, but people are doing it from all over the earth, literally in 195 countries. Um, but if you go to become unshakable, you can just register yourself. And I hope you'll bring maybe your family members or some coworkers so we can hopefully affect the people around you as well. And it's fun to do together. What do you say to, or do you have, of course you do, you're always going to have a thought for people, but a lot of my audience deals with making a decision to make change, to step forward to, okay, I'm going to believe in myself and I'm going to go in this direction that I feel like my heart is calling me in. And then has someone in their life, a partner, a parent, uh, in-laws, who are really upset as they begin to change, right? Like, oh, you've changed. You're different now. This, You're going to listen to a personal development conference? Like, that's what you're going to do? You're a people pleaser by nature, and you're not really sure what you're doing yet. How do you encourage people to stand firmly in this decision that they're making to try and make their life better? Well, that's why uh, the event is designed to create conditioning, right? It's like what what controls you is your habits. If you have a habit of being uncertain, if you have a habit of pleasing other people, that habit usually runs you. And what happens when they get in the event, what I talk to people about is I say, you know, how many of you have somebody, you know, when I'm doing an Unleashed Power Within event, say four days, 
and it's immersion day and night, 12 hours a day. That's real immersion, right? And they make huge changes, as you well know. You've been through it. You just described it. And then I yeah. say, how many have got somebody at home that's a little worried you're here? And like, you know, 80% of the room raises their hand. And I go, what are they worried about? Have they ever been to the event? No. Do they know me? No. Well, what are they worried about? They're worried you're going to change. And I said, so instead of going home and telling them all the changes you're going to make, I wouldn't do that. I said, I'd go home and I'd just go to work on your life and just be more productive. And at some point, they're going to go, wow, you seem to be happy. You seem to be strong. You seem more successful. What are you doing? When you start a business, though, if that's, I know, a large part of your audience, and that's why I love them. I feel like they're sisters on the path of me as a brother, because, you know, I've got 110 companies, 112 companies now. And I've started from nothing and built them up to $7 billion in revenue. So I've, I've really had a growth path over the decades. But when you look at that, it's like the minute you do that, these people are worried not only about change, but they don't want you to be disappointed. They don't want you to, you know, have problems. But disappointment is the secret to success, believe it or not. Disappointment either destroys you or drives you. And so you've got to make it about what you're going to do. And what I've tried to do with people there is say, listen, I'm hearing you. And I know you're loving on me right now. I know you're trying to protect me. But this is something that I feel called to do, and I've got to do it. I may fail completely, but I got to do it. And if you can stay with your conviction of what your mission is, again, you know what makes all of this work is finding something you value more than yourself. If you're just doing this for you, it's not going to happen. Well, you and I both know we'll do more for our kids. You know, I got five kids and five grandkids. You do more for your kids than you'll ever do for yourself. That's just human nature, right? It's one of the one of the things I love about humans is at our truest nature. We care about others often more than ourselves. So why not use that? And so if you can find a mission, whether it's your family or whether it's what your customers or clients or whether it's something you're doing in your community that you are, it gets you up early, keeps you up late, excites you, you're going to be alive from that. And you're going to have energy and drive for that more than just, I'm going to make money and I'm going to be okay. There's nothing wrong with it doing that also. But if that's your only goal, you're probably not going to make it because you have to have something larger than yourself because what I always tell people is most people overestimate what they're going to do in a year and they underestimate what they can do in a decade. You know, it's like you, when you said that the first time, I don't know if it was UPW or like the business conference. The first time I ever heard you say that I like fell over in my chair Yeah, because that's it. It is probably one of the biggest issues facing, I'm going to say kids today. That sounds ridiculous. Uh, but people in their twenties or a younger generation is wanting things with immediacy. Yeah. It is takes so long, sometimes two decades, three or four, to get to the one thing that changes everything. Yeah. And if I had needed, you know, career success or to have a published book or to have a successful podcast, if I had needed any of those things to happen within a year or two years or five, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Yeah. Literally, nobody would know my name. Yeah. If I have a superpower, it's a willingness to play a long game. Yeah. It's like, all right, we're 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 trying to do something that's lasting here. Yeah. I freaking love that idea that it takes so much longer than you think it will, but you give up after 11 months because you think, oh, well, my goal was to have this done by the end of 2020. I was guilty of that. That's the only reason I know it is it's like I would beat myself up about I didn't achieve this. I didn't achieve that. But fortunately, I had a mission, so it wasn't just about me. So I kept going and kept going just like you. And then you hit thresholds where it's like, oh, my God, you know, three years into it, you're doing more than you thought you'd do in 10 years, five years. But a decade, you know, you're going to blink your eyes. Every person listening, you're going to blink your eyes and 10 years are going to go by. I mean, it's it's how it really works. As you get older, it seems even faster. to you. But what will happen is you're going to arrive 10 years from now. The question's where? Who are you going to be? What are you going to be like? And the time to decide that is now. That isn't to say you won't make progress the first year. But if your expectations, by the way, the worst thing that can happen when you go to Vegas is to win. Because then you expect to win every time. So if you do, if you do yeah. achieve everything in the first year, those people don't develop the muscle. So then when the 2008 happens or 2020 or COVID or inflation they have no foundation because they're just lucky. They're in the right place at the right time. And you see those people just melt down. I mean, this is my 45th. I'm about to end my 46th year doing this. I started when I was two, I tell people, of course, right? Yeah. But the amount of challenges that I face, like you just talked about, I made it through 2008. Well, I've been through 2008. I've been through 2001. I've been through 1999. I've been through 1992. I go back all those years, you know, 1977 at 18% interest rates. 
and I figured out how to go through all those. So my level of confidence is relatively high, as you might imagine, that you can throw anything at me, I'm going to find the way. So it's not just confidence, it's competence that comes through time. Now, some people go, I got 10 years of experience. And I look at them and go, maybe one year of experience nine times. Because some people grow the first year, and then they do the same crap for nine more years and call it (laughs) 10 years of experience. No, that's the same. You got one year of experience because you didn't keep growing. So I really think sometimes not getting what you want is how you get what you need. But you should still pursue what you want with full fervor, but then not be disappointed. It's like this is a stepping stone to the next level. It's like I always say to people, how long would you give your average child to learn how to walk? Before you shut them off and go, dude, you're just not a walker. Stop trying. You're crazy. <laughs> My kid's going to keep trying until they walk. Well, that's why almost everybody walks. But when it comes to success in business or in life, they go so far and then they pull back usually because they're not being rewarded enough. And you're absolutely right. We're, we're a society because of this device that has been literally trained with dopamine to be able to get a feeling we want instantly and be in control. But that's not real life. And that's not human relationships. That's why so many relationships are messed up. People expect that person to respond the way I want. That's why so many people today, young people have been taught in college, if someone doesn't believe what you believe, they're dangerous, or they could harm you with words. Whatever happened, right. sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. We have a culture that's Or become- coming together in conversation with someone to learn about a different philosophy, ideology, yeah. like to be in community and conversation and learning and growing together, I thought was the whole point of what we were doing on this planet. So, But, you know, the pendulum gets swung really far and then eventually it's so out of whack that we find a way to balance it out. And I think that's going to happen for sure. But, you know, I remember when I was, you know, I, I got this phone call from uh, – President Clinton, I was uh, with my friend Peter Gruber at his house at Christmas time, and he goes, the president's on the phone, he wants to talk to you. So I got on the phone, we had this conversation, and he asked me if I would come to Camp David to work with him. He had several people who recommended me, and he was going through a really tough time, it was the beginning of his, his, his uh, uh, tenure as president. And I said, Mr. President, I said, it would be a total honor, but I want you to know I'm not a fan. So I said, if you want somebody who's going to come and just tell you what you want to hear, I'm probably the wrong guy. And there was this long pause and he had a little giggle and he said, well, I like somebody who thinks for themselves. And I said, great, then we're going to be great. I hung up the phone and Peter said to me, you just told the president of the United States you're not a fan. And I said, well, I'm just being honest. But I became a fan as I got to know him and regardless of politics, how he cared about people, where things were. But I remember working with him on the same day, going across to the Congress and working with the head of the Congress at that time, Gingrich, who was on the other side, the Republican side, and I work with both sides simultaneously on the same day. And today, if you talk to the other side, you're radioactive. It's the most stupid thing on the planet because I'm an independent. I just want the best thing for the country. I don't care. I'm willing to work with whoever it is. I'm still that way. Right. But we've, we've changed our culture. But the culture will balance out. It has to. It's getting to such an extreme. And you see this happen throughout history. Yeah, definitely. Well, I love to the reminder that like none of this is original. You know, I think that it's so easy to get caught up in the idea that like, this is the worst it's ever been. I'm like, if my grandma was still alive and she could talk to you about what she lived through, like this is not, it's very dangerous to buy into, like you were talking about earlier, to buy into someone else having an opinion in your own mind, right? We start to have our narrative changed for us. And I think there's this pushback on the idea of optimism or hope or, you know, trying to stay centered and strong, like not getting, you're not getting worked up enough about this. How do we navigate a, a world that wants us to do what everyone else is doing? And when you make a different choice, we're sort of ostracized for you got to you got to decide that you don't need a million fake friends on social media what you need are a few good friends that align with you on values and that your life is about something more than yourself and it's about growing and that living in fear is a great way a decision made from fear is almost always the wrong decision not always but almost always in a fear place yeah. you don't make the right decisions you, you go in a place of scarcity of anything and so I think if you can find a, you know, I tell people, I feel like, what do I do? What do I do? The first thing you should do is get around where it's better and let something hit you. Get around people that are doing better. Get around people that have a different mindset. Your job is to put yourself in proximity with the kind of people whose quality of life you want to have. 
And, you know, in the beginning, I would be around people and they were up here and I was down here, but I didn't get care about the ego thing. Let me work as their janitor. Let me do anything. I want to get in proximity. So I start to learn what they think, how they are. So you don't need 25 friends. And if you're looking at social media, I mean, well, all the studies show the more time you spend on social media, you know, and especially for women, even more so than men, the more depression that shows up because you're not comparing to real lives. You're comparing to someone's filters, angles, positions, storytelling, and it's not real. And so it'd be best to get back to what's real. And the only way to do that is cut off a lot of the media because there's nothing wrong with the media. They're good people. They have a job and their job is to get your attention. It doesn't matter how they do it. So it's not about education. It's not about informing you. It's about startling you because there's so much information. We're drowning in information. We're starving for wisdom. So their way to get money is eyeballs. How do you get eyeballs? Clickbait, put a title that hooks people, angers people, upsets people. The article doesn't even have to match. The minute you click, they make money. The minute you turn on that television and do it. Well, today it's following you. And so it taps into our survival mechanism, which is always going to have a negative bias because it's always saying, how do I protect myself? What could kill me? What could hurt me? How do I run from it? How do I freeze so they don't notice? How do I fight for it? But that survival mechanism is not going to give you a quality of life. Again, I always tell people, your brain is not designed to make you happy. That's your job, right? Your job, and you can have happiness in winter and spring and summer and fall. You can be in the best time in the world. In 2006 was the peak of the economic well-being of this country for most people. The absolute extraordinary peak. Some exceptions, but the peak. There were more people unhappy in 2006 than 10 years earlier when we were in in a recessionary type of period. Why is that? Because their expectations were I should get a house with no job, with nothing, and people were getting them. And when that thing stopped, then all of a sudden, everything was upsetting to them. Well, after a while, little things made them happy. It's like, you know, who's happier? Someone who wins the lottery three years later or somebody who becomes a quadriplegic? They've done studies. No, it's not the quadriplegic, but it's not the person who won the lottery either. Three years later, their happiness adjusts to where it was before the act. The person's a quadriplegic will get, if they're not drugged, will get excitement by learning to move their finger, whereas before they took it for granted, and they'll get back to the same level of happiness. The person that won the lottery now has all these people want money from them, they're pissed at them, they take advantage of them, and eventually they balance out and get to the same level of happiness or unhappiness they had before, like clockwork within three years. So it's not your world that's making you happy or unhappy, it's what you're doing internally. And that's why I say to people, there's two worlds to master. There's the external world that you can't control, but you can influence it. The internal world you have control over if you learn how to control it and if you develop the right habits. And that's really, this is the only world that matters because all hell could be breaking loose and you can have an extraordinary time with you and your family and still do extremely well. And eventually the season will change. So if you do well during any season, who cares? The season's going to change again. What follows the dark night of the soul is a beautiful morning. It's always how it works. Absolutely. If you were God, you'd set it up that way, right? You test people and then you give them a chance to enjoy. And then you test them and give them a chance to enjoy. And that's what the seasons. Winter tests us. Spring is grows easily. Summer tests us. Fall, we get rewarded disproportionately. Then we go back to winter again. That's your life. And to think that life is a straight line is absurd. If I leave here to fly to my place, let's say in Hawaii or Fiji, it's not a straight line. It's constant correction. If you're a pilot, you don't freak out. You go, oh my God, 80% of the time I'm off course. You just go off course, you correct, you correct. You correct a zillion times and you land on a dime, you know, 7,000, 3,000, whatever you're going miles away. That's how we make it in life. But in order to do that, you have to have a vision beyond what's going on right now. In order to do that, you got to get yourself in a new environment with different people who have a different way of being. If you hang out with the average person, they're good humans, but they're controlled by the conditioning of our culture, which is primarily the news, which again, is not looking for your best interest. They're not trying to harm you, I don't think. They're giving you what your brain responds to, which is fear. I am forever in awe of how passionate you are. <laughs> Always in, in a conference, in person, at your home, in a Zoom call, and after decades of doing this work. And I, I, I'm curious as you're talking, I'm like, is passion a skill? Is this something you taught yourself or did you come into the world like, here I am, I'm going to help people? No, I didn't come into the world, here I am. <laughs> no, it is, a passion is a habit. 
like all emotions are. Some people get angry all the time, right? If you get angry enough, you get wired to be angry. You get angry over little shit. Some people get worried all the time. So everyone has what I call an emotional home. It's like, you know, if you, it's the, it may not be a place you like. It's like, I'm sure you've seen people like some parts of the country where about every three years, a cyclone or something comes through and destroys everything. They lose all their stuff and you feel for them, you see them crying and everything else. And you're like, oh my God. And then you rebuild. And then three years later, it happens again. And about the third time it happens, somewhere in your brain, you go, why don't you move, right? You know, but what happens, it's easy to see when it's someone else and it's external. But we also have a, an internal home. And since it's what you know, even if it's not comfortable, people tend to duplicate it. That's why some people create the same kind of relationship over and over again, right? That feeling of discomfort is what they know. So what I really try to help people do is expand their home. It's like, okay, maybe you don't need to move, but maybe we need to build another part of you, expand another set of emotions that can get you where you want to go. Maybe you need more courage. Maybe you need more faith. Maybe you need more determination. Maybe you need more passion. And any emotion is nothing but a neurological habit. It's a big word, but it's the way you use your nervous system. So yes, I am wired for passion, but it's reinforced because I get to see the impact in millions of people's lives. So I can't walk out of my house on an average day, go anywhere and not be stopped at least a dozen times by people saying, oh my God, you changed my life. And I always say, look, I didn't change your life, you did, but I'm glad I helped, what'd you do? And I get to hear these stories. And so it's like, how could I not? you know, be fulfilled and be alive. I have my family, I have my businesses, but I also have this incredible feedback device. And when you are living in those types of states, you will get feedback. If you're looking for negative feedback, you'll get it no matter what. There'll be people pissed off that you're happy. But, you know, I tend to focus on serving. And since I'm focused on the serving, that's who I care about. I care about the people that want to improve their life. I care about everybody. I provide food for people, but I'm looking for the environment where they can be triggered because anyone can find their hunger. That's really what you're talking about. Passion is another word for hunger. The most successful people in the world, people ask me, what's the common trait? Being intelligent. I love wickedly intelligent people. I think being smart is incredibly valuable, but you and I both know tons of people as smart as can be and can't fight their way out of a paper bag in real <laughs> yeah. life, right? So intelligence is not the factor. It's hunger. Because hunger to be more, to do more, to give more, to share more. If you have that kind of hunger, not hunger to I'm going to lose some weight to get to the party. That's not hunger. That's a goal that disappears. Hunger is something that doesn't disappear. And so, you know, I'm going to be 63 in a couple of months. I've been doing this since I was 17. So, you know, 46 years is more than most people have been alive. I've lived this path, but I've lived the path of constantly growing and getting the reinforcement of that growth in every area, because I look at your finances, your business, your emotions, your relationships, there's, you know, about a half dozen areas that really matter. And I've made those areas my expertise with so many tools and strategies that doesn't matter what the challenge is, I got something I can help with. And I know it, and I'm able to deliver it, make it happen. And so that becomes a virtuous cycle, you're reinforced for it. But I want you to know any emotion, I was not a passionate driven person. I was a little more introverted, quite frankly. But I saw the price of not stepping up. And I started to step up and then I started to literally train myself. I used to do these incantations. I still do them before I get up on stage, but I would train myself for an hour where I would get up and I would just say every day and every way I'm getting stronger and stronger every day and every way I'm getting healthier and healthier. But I would say it with authority out loud with intensity, ridiculously so, till I literally convinced myself this is who I am, till I developed those habits in my nervous system. I didn't do affirmations. I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy. I said it, I owned it, I felt it, I experienced it, I wired myself to be this way. So I created this Tony Robbins guy, he's always me, but I developed these pieces and tools. And so it's not effortful, it's me when I'm being passionate. It's who I am, but I'm wired for passion, I'm wired for love, I'm wired for growth, I'm wired for contribution. I'm not wired for feeling sorry for myself or being a victim or you know being depressed. I was, I was totally depressed. But you know, I got to that point where you start deciding whether you think you're going to stick around or not. And it woke me up. I realized when I'm depressed, I have nothing. So I used anger initially. I got pissed off to give myself energy to overcome things. And then after a while, I didn't need the anger. I just found the passion. It feels like sometimes, and maybe I'm, I'm having a therapy session with you as per usual, but um, <laughs> it feels like we're inside of a world now that's not too big a fan of passion. 
Like it feels no, like, right? Like tall poppy syndrome or the highest nail yeah. shall be hammered down that you show up with joy and, and life and like, oh, I'm going to do this thing. And immediately it feels like there's- People treat it like it's fake or it's yes, phony or it's yes, bullshit. And, yeah. But that's, that's, a, that's the season of winter, honey. In the springtime, everybody loves you being up and lifted. So if Why? you're going to let the season control who you are, then you no longer have yourself anymore, right? Oh, you're just true. adapting to the environment. If you adapt to the environment, you're going to live like everybody else lives. So it's like, I get that. I've I've lived long enough to see the summer times also are like that. People are like, you know, this is bullshit, optimism. I've never been a positive thinker. I, I don't teach positive thinking. I yeah, teach intelligence, yeah. right? Yeah. Seeing it as it is, but not worse than it is, is the secret. Most people see it worse than it is again so that they don't fail, so they don't feel like they get their hopes up and get disappointed. Well, if you don't get your hopes up, you don't change anything. That's why you got to come up with a vision. That's why you got to get the strategies. But if you're looking for affirmation from society, you're not a leader. Think about it. Most people follow the rules of society and they get the base lowest level of what society offers. What makes you a leader is you create your own culture. You create your own standards. And whether the world rewards you or not, it's like I always say to people like, why do most people fail at the game of life? Number one, they don't know what the purpose is. I don't mean you have to have a perfect, beautiful purpose and all that. I mean, just like, what's the purpose of this game? I believe it's to grow and to give and to learn and to laugh and to love and to leave a legacy, right? But whatever you think it is, if you don't know the purpose, how are you going to ever win? And then they don't know the purpose, but watch this. Here's why they fail. They have a hundred million rules about how it's supposed to be played. You're supposed to do that, not do that. You're supposed to be this way and not be that way. So they're always running into some inner conflict. And then the third reason they fail, they don't know the purpose. They got lots of rules. But then on the other hand, when they do the right thing, they don't get rewarded. And when they do the wrong thing, they often get rewarded by society. So, so that it brings people into a place. And then the last thing is they make everything life and death. So how do you win the game of life? You decide the purpose, not a perfect one, not something language so gorgeously. Just what's the essence of my life about? What am I here for? I think it, it, we all know you got to grow. If you don't grow, you're going to die. You're not, and, and if you grow, you have something to give. So at a fundamental level, it's those pieces. But what else? Is it to be enjoyment? Is it to spread love? What is it for you? And then, okay, I'm going to have a lot less rules. I mean, you got four children. You can relate to this. I saw, I saw a CNN piece years ago, and I never forgot. It was a story about them making a commercial for double mint gum. Well, they used to use twins all the times, you know, twice yeah. the flavor, twice yeah. this. And they did one with families that had quintuplets, five children born at the same time. And they t I think it was five families with five quintuplets. And when they're filming this behind the scenes, it was total just chaos. All these kids going everywhere. And there's this one man I'll never forget. He looked like he was, you know, in his early 60s. His face was all, he was sweaty. He was all broken down. Didn't look really healthy. And they interviewed him and said, what's it like to, you know, have five kids? And what's the most important thing you've learned? And he said, I've learned that you can't have too many rules because with five kids, you have too many rules. Someone's always breaking them. And you're always reacting. And he was just like, you probably think I'm older looking than I am. He goes, I'm 38 years old. I couldn't believe he was 38 years old, right? I was like, he goes, so I finally learned. It took me a long time, but I've learned. Can't have too many rules. Well, that's true in life. The minimum rules to win the game that are good for you and other people, not just good for you. And then you got to reward yourself. If I do what's right and society doesn't reward me, I reward myself. If I do something wrong and society rewards me, I punish myself, not heavily, just enough to not go there again. And then I take myself lightly. You know, it's an old phrase that says, why do angels fly? Because they take themselves lightly. It's not all life and freaking death. And when you do that, life is a different game. I want to circle back to something that you said earlier about disappointment and how disappointment is... I forget the exact quote that you use, but like this key to success. It okay, so like unpack you, right? that. Like unpack how is disappointment, which every single person listening to this has experienced. How is that something that is for us? Well, first of all, you can't avoid it because you have certain expectations no matter what you do, right? So it's going to be there. The question is, what are you going to do with it when it happens? If you let it destroy you, which is what some people do. They lose their compelling future. They, they give up on what they're doing. They say, well, this means I'm not doing the right thing, as opposed to this challenge, this disappointment is a speed bump on the way to success. It's jolted me, but I'm still on my course. There'll be other jolts along the way, and I'm going to use this to drive me. I'm going to take this disappointment and just double down. And so that's an emotional habit. It's a decision. It's like every day we're making decisions. 
And if you say, why is your life the way it is? Whatever you're proud in your life, your children, your life, your business, whatever you're really most proud of came from decisions you made years ago and maybe some ongoing decisions you're doing that make it continue to be better, right? And if you look at anything in your life you're unhappy with, it's because decisions you made probably years ago. I mean, most of us can think of a decision that maybe five or 10 years ago you made or more that if you made a different decision, your life would be completely different. Go to a different school, different career, marry a different person. I mean, completely different life. Better or worse, I can't tell you. You know that more than I do, but it'll be different. So you got to realize that decision is the ultimate power. It's like, what has our God given us? It's choice. Right? That's clear. You can choose to believe whatever you want. You can choose to live however you want or not live however you want. And we all have that choice, at least if you live in a free society. So the decisions we make, there's three decisions we make every moment. And if you make these decisions differently, your life's different. The first one is, what are you going to focus on? Because I tell people, you're not experiencing your life right now. You're experiencing the life you're focusing on. So if you focus on some aspects of your life, you're going to be pissed off or worried. But to be pissed off and worried, you have to delete all the things you could be grateful for. If you're really having a great life right now, you're deleting all the things you could be pissed off about. So it's whatever you focus on, that determines the control of your life. And there are habits of focus. Some people focus constantly on what's missing. I know some of the most successful people in the world that are successful externally, but not happy internally because if you're constantly focused on what's missing, that's good to do in your business once a week, once a month. But when you do it every day with your whole life, when you're constantly focused on missing, you're going to feel empty. You're going to feel not enough. And some people have the habit of constantly questioning, right? So focusing on what's missing might help you start to find answers. But if you do it all the time, it feels overwhelming. And during COVID especially, people tend to focus on what was missing. And so they got more depressed. The second decision to have it would be around the, you know, focus is going to be, do you focus on what you can control or not control? And, you know, you think about it, so many people, especially after COVID, so many things were outside your control, it was natural to focus on that. Well, that feels depressing. When people feel happy, it's because they feel they control most of the events in their life, not events control them. In order to do that, you have to develop muscle, emotion, and you have to develop the habit of focusing on what you can't control because there's tons we can't control. You can't even control your body if you go to Mexico and eat the wrong thing. Come on, you can't control your own colon, right? You can talk about it all you want with your mind, but it's going to take over. So there are things that we influence but can't control. we got to focus on what we can control. And then some people focus more on the past, some the present, some the future. We all do all three. But the habit of so many people's focus on the past. So if you're constantly focused on what's missing and what you can't control and how the past is better than now, you're going to be depressed no matter how many Prozac drugs we give you. But if you focus on what you can control and what you do have in your life and you build on success and you focus on the present, what's beautiful and or the future you're creating, that combination creates a different life. So a different focus alone changes your life. Then when we focus on something, the second decision is what does it mean? Is this the end or the beginning? Is this person disrespecting me? Are they challenging me? Are they coaching me? Are they actually loving on me? Whichever one you pick, whatever meaning you pick, will create a biochemical change in you instantly called emotion. And so if you think you're being disrespected, you're going to respond differently than if you're being loved. And then out of that state, you make the third decision about what to do. Well, in an angry state, you're going to respond very differently than in an appreciative state. Is God punishing me? Is that why I have this problem? Is God challenging me? Is God giving me this gift of a problem? Is it a gift? Or is it not God at all? I've been a lazy bastard and so I haven't done my part and I'm blaming God, right? Yeah. Whichever meaning you come up with is going to be the way you live. Is this the end of my relationship or the beginning? If it's the beginning, you're going to be completely different than if you think it's the end. So our decisions about what to focus on, what things mean and what to do, that pattern controls our whole life. You change those three patterns, you change everything. Well, and when it comes to disappointment, the idea that you can experience the disappointment, be frustrated by it, be sad, like give yourself that moment to feel those things and then That's go right. back to the three pieces of advice you just gave. What are you focusing on? Exactly. What does it mean? And right. what are you going to do now? And I think right. going into this new year, 
for a lot of people, it was like, okay, just get through 2020 and then we'll be okay. We'll have answers. We'll have, you know, a solution. Then we're in 20... Right, right. And then 21 and then 22. (laughs) And okay, now we're moving past this thing and now we're dealing with the fallout from the decisions that we made in government during that time period, right? So... It's the hits are going to keep on coming. There's always going to be something. And even if we're not talking about a global pandemic, there's always going to be something in our lives, really justifiable excuses, not like fake ones, like legit reasons why we shouldn't have that. That shouldn't be our life. We shouldn't keep pushing. We shouldn't stand up and go again. But I love the simplicity of what are you looking at? (laughs) What does this mean? And what are you going to do yeah. next? So, and that's those decisions are being made unconsciously right now for everyone listening. Every moment you're making those decisions, but if they're unconscious, then they're the same every time, and so your life doesn't change. Yeah. When you awaken to what you're doing in that area, that's when your life really be able, begins to shift, and that's really why you got to immerse yourself in a different environment because the world is not going to reinforce these habits. You know, if you want to be average, the average person is not fit. They are not healthy. They do not have a great relationship. They're not doing well financially. I'm no idiot. But that doesn't mean that's how your life has to be. But see, it's like studying people that are ill to try and get healthy. No, I study people that are successful to figure out what do they do different. And that's what I've done through my life. And that's also how you compress decades into days. How do you get results faster? You learn from other people's experience who spent decades doing it. So you don't have to go through the trial and error of figuring it out. They've done 20 years of that. They know the answer. Now you can do something in a week or a month or a year that might have taken them five or 10. It's like, we want our kids to stand on our shoulders. You want them to do better than we're doing, right? But we have to first take control of our own life to do that. And it's it's really not that hard because what you said is true. There's always something that legitimately could stop you. So your question is, am I going to pray it's easier or am I going to get better? And listen, maybe pray to get better and then do something to get better would be the right combination. I believe prayer is very valuable. But, you know, faith without works is dead, right? You have to do your part. And I think all of us have that opportunity. And that's what I'm just trying to do is give people triggers and tools and new environments so they can make new decisions and have the quality of life that they deserve regardless of the season. Well, I'll say it again for listeners. I feel like there's literally nothing to lose in this challenge that you guys are doing. I know you're going to serve so well. I know there's a load of information and not, I just want to say this too, like you don't speak in sort of nebulous general what you're like (laughs) do these four things like it's very very tactical so i want to encourage also i want you to know i'm I'm also bringing to this some of my friends so you know uh, jamie kern lima i think you know from it cosmetics yeah she was you know listening to my stuff working as a waitress in deads and denny's and now she is worth a billion dollars selling her cosmetics and they already told her she couldn't do this you're not you're not you know, pretty enough. You're not thin enough. All this bullshit that people told. But she connected with women a different way. Or, you know, uh, Sarah Blakely, who's the first, you know, female, youngest female billionaire with Spanx and how she did that. And I've got Matthew McConaughey joining me. He's a friend because you say, well, he's an actor. What's the point? Well, to become one of the greatest actors of the generation, the amount of rejection, the amount of fail, the amount of disappointment, how he dealt with that, like yep. what he did to get where he is. So you'll be joining me with some of my friends for these experiences. And I think you'll find it, I know you'll find it really profound. Awesome. Well, we'll put the link to sign up in the show notes. And as always, thank you so much for serving and sharing wisdom and hanging out. I really appreciate the time. I always enjoy our time daily, Rachel. Becomeunshakablegirl.com. That's where they're going. (laughs) Thanks so much. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org.